Hey folks, welcome to Dungeon Casters, the Dungeon Master Advice Show for Rookie DMs by Rookie DMs. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. And this week, we're going to take things back. Back to the origins of Dungeon Casters, where two young men were shooting the shit about D&D and said to themselves, Wow, we're really good at talking about Dungeons & Dragons, and we have handsome man voices. We should share this with the world. And then we did, and we made a podcast, and that's Dungeon Casters. So this week, instead of planning out things like what we're going to say and what our topic is, we're just going to ignore that, and we're just going to talk about D&D. Now, to help us Uh. with this this week, we have our good friend Max, who is also a Dungeon Master. I am. He's also a rookie Dungeon Master. Also... He was recently a winner of a beard competition. First place, natural beard, Philadelphia beard competition. Everyone, let's give it up for Max's beard. Oh, you were serious. You were, you were going to bring it up. Oh, I'm totally going to bring it up. <laughs> oh, good. Hi, everyone. It's, Hello, podcast land. This oh. is Max. Hi. How are, how are you guys? We're doing fine, Max. It's good to see you. I'm really glad we got you. We... we Decided, we were like, oh, we should we should talk to Max, see if he's interested, like, a couple weeks ago. And I wasn't sure how fast that was going to move, but it moved pretty quickly. I'm really glad we got you to come on. Scott very conveniently has moved five minutes around the corner from my house, so... Well, that has helped. That uh, is true. Significantly. It's better than driving up to Princeton uh, every time I'm yeah. hanging out with him, so... Um, well, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Now everyone knows where I used to live. I just bounced <laughs> <to> Scott. <laughs> great. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think everyone already knew I was from New Jersey, so I guess that that okay. might be. I don't remember what we have and have not said accidentally, I've, but that sounds like something we may have said accidentally. At your some full point address in the past. and social security number. I know the yeah. social. I knew I said at least the last four digits. I don't remember if I said the whole social. Yeah, at least six times. Okay. Well, it's it was it was six of our intro jokes. It was just like, "Welcome to Dungeon Casters." I'm Ben. I'm Scott. And we're here to help you something in your new campaign. Last four digits of Scott's social, and then I would say, Scott, that's still a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Um, <laughs> well, to bring things back to the purpose of tonight's episode, talking about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right. I am going to throw Max right under the bus and mm-hmm. just really, really haze him, like all good podcasters <laughs> do to their new podcast guests. And that's just say, so cruel. Hey, Max. He's award-winning. Do you have any questions for the dungeon casters about dungeon mastering? (laughs) Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When we started this, Scott, what you said is, I have a question for Max, which I didn't know meant I'm going to ask Max if he has any questions. (laughs) I mean, it was a question for Max. (laughs) His question was, how many questions do you think that you could ask us just off the top of your head? I'm like, uh, I don't know, ten? He's like, dope, let's start recording. So Yeah, uh, ten questions, that's a lot. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, So, question number one out of ten. What are your questions? Where's my medication? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Uh, so, um, one of the things that I fall into pretty regularly, um, is that I find that my, I, I make my villains, uh, in my campaigns very, uh, formulaic. They're always helping out the party to begin with, and then there's this dramatic reversal, and, and all of a sudden they're the, the big bad end villain. And I find that it gets kind of repetitive, and, uh, it's kind of difficult in my mind to, because to me that's like, I think it's because I'm a very trusting person, so to me... To have somebody betray you, somebody who you trusted, is like the worst thing in the world. So to me, it's like, mm. yeah, that's what a villain is, and that's what a villain <laughs> does. So like, what experience okay. have you had that that you felt made the most compelling villain to you? What do you think in your experience that you've done or that you've played? What have you seen? That's a good question, Max. I mean, you were you were so nervous about the off the cuff thing, but that's that's a, that's a dynamite question. I work it's, in sales on the phone. I just lie true enough. Day, you know, true so. enough. I got, I got an answer. If you're still, yeah, if go you're for still it. No, no. I'll, I'll, yeah, let me, let me, uh, let me dwell on it. Go for it. All right. So my thing is, I'm a little punk rock boy, and I like True. the anti-authority music and all that kind of good fun stuff. True. So, taking uh, persons and organizations that are traditionally and as the whole seen as good, and turning them into the big bad and kind of drawing 
a modern parallel to like societal problems. For example, if the king of the realm is the bad guy, and how a party deals with that in the sense of like, all right, so this villain is all powerful, in charge of everything, all the cops work for him, like all the people pay him money all the time, and he's supposed to be like our guiding light, he's supposed to be our ruler and whatnot, and he's a huge tool. And like, <laughs> how, do, how do you do that? With that king, <laughs> what a tool. He is the hugest Enslaving people, tool. forcing exorbitant taxes, what a tool. What a tool. That's the word most people would use to describe. Yeah. <laughs> a tyrant. Leaders, yeah. Sort of a tool. Sort of a tool. Man, kind he's, of, kind he's of, a real... He's a real hoser, I'll tell you yeah, that guy. He's kind of a dick. A real dingus. Um, and the other thing I normally do is I, like, or I attempt to make my villains super charming. Mm. And, like, almost to the point where, like, interactions with them in the party, the party's kind of like, well, this guy seems, like, pretty okay. He's, like, kind of cool. I like, I like what he's saying out of his mouth, but, like, I did just witness him murder some people, but again, he's, like, really good at talking to me. So, yes. my whole thing is... This must be what the person who introduced Ava Braun to Hitler was telling him. Is he's like, look, <laughs> I know he's your cousin, I know he's short, I know he's got one testicle, I know he wants to just, like, commit genocide. But he's so nice. He's, he's so, so charming. Cute. He's right. so, charming. so charming. And he has excellent opinions on movies. Right, exactly. <laughs> um... I, I'm just all about flipping tropes. Sure. It, sure. I, 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 um, I would say that the thing I fall back on most is that, like, I actually kind of bristle at the idea of uh, um, a villain. And by that I mean a person in the game who is, I won't say completely just evil and off the rails, but, but who's dominantly probably unchangeably going to be the bad person of the campaign and I find that just from a, uh, a creation perspective and from a play perspective and Scott you can attest to this I, I'm much more interested in um, situations that have a, a sort of a moral gray area where like two forces that did some good and did some bad are competing against each other and the party's been thrown into this kind of complicated scenario where there's a lot of options that give you certain amounts and certain sorts of victories because there's always like we completely disengage and we leave which does solve some of the problem insofar as maybe they get out and they're unhindered uh, vice versa they kill everybody and that sort of solves the problem but maybe they don't come out so clean for doing it and I try, if just to plan for that, I'll try to say, like, well, if you do that, there still will be some consequence. Um, and then there, there's the case of helping one person over the other, because um, I think it's a, a fairly realistic thing that nobody, you know, is, is really sort of like, this is just the right thing to do 100%, like, this person's going to nail it. And so even if you, you end up picking the person you feel is maybe in the moral right zone, there's still going to be some repercussion and there's still going to be, if nothing else, you know, sort of somebody's going to come back for revenge at some point. Um, and so I end up doing that a lot. But I also hear what you're saying in that that's something I really like doing. And even though there is variety in presenting moral gray area, it does make me worried that it gets stale, that players will expect every situation they encounter to have like, five doors and they can't just act and that's something i was actually thinking about just recently the other day where i wanted to have a situation in which actually i did this once i don't remember what game it was but i'd run all these games where there was a lot of moral gray area and then i ran one game where i said like forget it like if they just want to go ham i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hang them on just wanting to have a big combat but nobody wanted to do it because they assumed I had plugged in all these like multifaceted moral tunnels. And I was like, oh no, you could have just killed them. They're like, why would we have known that? And I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I've kind of set myself up on a track then, huh? So I 
I think that it is frustrating, and I do understand that, but I also think, to some degree, it becomes like a stylistic hallmark, you know? Like, well, sort of, that's thing. what you come for. The stylistic hallmark, I agree with. I think that's good. It's, you're known for the gray areas. I still have Ajita about the three hags and the specter and that town that we yeah, played in. Yeah, I am sorry. I felt like in some cases, I was like, maybe I went too hard. <laughs> it was but, so, it was the grayest of the gray. But, yeah. here's the thing. I like that you one day were just like, you know, let's make this black and white. And everyone's used to you being the gray man. Yeah. So, like... The bottom line is you fucked over your players. Keep them guessing. Right. Yeah. You know, like, and I think the bottom line is, and we talk about this a lot on the show, it's telling a story with friends. Yes. Right? And the primary author of this story is the DM. So yeah. if a villain who uh, betrays the trust of a party is a compelling story to you, that's the story you want to tell. That's the story you should tell. Mm -hmm. I would say that if you have a standard party and you're going on and on with them, that is the time to switch it up. But, like, the reason you go to that, you know, villain is because it's comfortable. And because it's comfortable, you're good at writing that villain. You're good at making the story around that villain. That's why I do the flipping tropes thing. Because, like, oi, 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 punk rock. And, like, <laughs> I am comfortable using that kind of... It's like a nice little literary glove, and I slip it on my hand, and I know where I am. I know what turns to make. I know what, like, twists and stuff. It's all set for me. It's like any genre kind of thing. So having that comfort is good, but so is pushing the boundaries. Yeah. It's funny. Oh, sorry. No, I was, I was just going to ask you, is, is your issue more that you want to change you want to be able to change your trope, or are you more concerned with just making the trope that you like more consistently interesting through, like, sort of variation on a theme? Well, kind of a little bit of both, in that, like, I feel as though there's this one thing that I'm doing, and I feel like I'm doing it fairly well, I guess, but, like, I feel like eventually it's like, oh, hey, who's the first very <laughs> magnanimous person who you meet? I bet that they're going to try and fuck us over at some yeah. point down the line. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry, is this a Christian podcast? Should I not use the F word? Oh, oh no. Okay, so they're going to fuck fine, you over. They're going <laughs> to fucking fuck you over. Oh. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I don't want, I, I hate the idea of it being too predictable. And, and it's funny because in regards to what you both are saying, I guess in my head, I, I had a character I put into um, a campaign I built, kind of interestingly enough, using what, what both of you were talking about, where in terms of, like, the moral gray area and subverting your understanding of what's good and what's right. I, I built this, um, this city um, whose mayor was a dragon. Okay. And he treated the people in the city as his horde. Mm, um, that's cool. I like which that. He that's a cool guarded idea. jealously. Um, and the big thing is that, ostensibly speaking, in order to be a citizen of this town, you had to sign your life over to eternal ownership of the dragon. Mm. But the dragon was this very generous, very fair, very intelligent leader. But ostensibly, he kept a city full of slaves. Right. And I, and I try to present this to my party as, like... And, like, it's funny because in my head, he's not a villain. Yeah. But he is, like, a huge... He owns a city worth of slaves. Yes. Um, and I try to present that to my to my party, and they were kind of like, oh, well, he's cool? Well, all right, then we're cool. Like, <laughs> he treats them fairly. Like, they're allowed to go visit their fa their their friends in the, in the country as long as they're back by Monday, you know, Monday morning to work again. Um, and it's funny because my players, it very quickly just glazed over the idea that there's very real sentient being ownership. Yes. Um, because, like, well, everything's cool here, right? But, like, is it? And it's funny because in my head, I guess, I also kind of fell into that as well, where it's like, well, you know... If everyone's happy... And, right, <laughs> yeah, then what, what's the matter, you know? Yeah. No one's getting hurt, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, he, he was just a really good civil servant. The roads are paved, you know, the trains ran on time. Like, nobody had any reason to be mad at the dragon. Yeah. He was a good owner. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, I... That sounds like a good, like colloquialisms like oh he got mad at the dragon yeah 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 i mean i i think that because this kind of rings of something else that a trap i fall in very often but that doesn't stand up to like reality and there's sometimes i think that reality like needs to stay away like it's it's this is not the place for reality but in some ways it's helpful because it forces your players to think about it like they would normally think about it as opposed to like, this is a game that's been invented. And so <clears throat> I like the idea that like 
by and large, everything works, everybody's happy. But when you take a sort of real world um, analogous, I actually don't even know if I, well, okay, let's, let's say like, it's hard to come up with a place that would maybe resemble this in terms of like peacefulness, but. Well, I guess you could almost use like um, early America with like indentured servitude, I guess. Yeah, maybe? yeah, something like that. I mean, you know, or like in, in, in some sort of distant and sort of weird way, like, you know how like Bhutan, for example, is like considered like one of the most peaceful places on earth. Everybody just kind of like, it just works. You know, but it's also that exists within, I believe, like a fairly sort of rigid sort of cultural and social contract that everyone sort of maintains. And it's very difficult to visit there. It's very difficult to visit there. The citizenship is like by birth and it's really rare that people get in from outside the country. So there are these parameters that are in place to keep things like that. But like you said, like early America, there's an indentured servitude aspect. Things are like working and everyone seems like generally okay. But if you follow that kind of analogous scenario through, it isn't, right? Like, it, it has a veneer of being okay, but you're talking early America. Like, there are definitely people in early America not so keen on the, on the slavery thing, right? And there's definitely people in, um, I mean, any country that's, like, largely considered to be peaceful. I think Scott and I had a conversation about this one sort of separately, just, you know, and it was like, we were, I don't remember what country we were talking about, but it was like, it was like, I think the reason it works so well is because everybody's the same. <laughs> and like, yeah. no okay. one's So we were talking in. about Northern Europe and like Slavic countries yeah. where people look at like democratic socialist countries like, uh, like Sweden like Denmark and or something like that. Norway and Denmark and stuff like that. And the bottom line is like, everyone's Christian and white <laughs> and... Like, what does anybody have to argue about? I, I like, mean, honestly, kinda. that's really fucked up to say, but that's kind of what it is. <laughs> um, so, like, I think that this is the broad point that we're trying to get to here in regards to the slave-owning dragon, the Bhutan or Norway question, is that it causes your players to question their morals only if it's intriguing enough for them to investigate. Yeah, I mean, I think... So the I, bottom line is, like, if you had put a character in that town who was discontent... Yes, that's to, that's it. Like, I think it's a matter of... You set up a thing and you go, like, boy, this sounds like it works. But there's, I, there's, there's never been a place that, as well as it was set up, just indefinitely works 100% of the time. It's your job as, I think, as a storyteller, as a DM, as the person who's just giving them something to play for, to build a thing that's that you think is interesting, but then you have to find the cracks in it and sort of present cracks to them. So even though, like, things work, like, there's inevitably going to be somebody who's pissed off. Like, that person is like, as long as you're home by Monday, it's like, somebody was not home by Monday once. And I don't know what happened to them. But there's, like, your crack, you know what I mean? Like, everything's fine, except there's, like, this Somebody, one person. One he person. just wanted a four-day weekend. Yeah, wanted a four-day weekend and ended up in prison for life. And it's, like, that's bullshit. Like, it's, it's I, I went one hour overtime and I'm, like, imprisoned for life. Or, like, is killed and the family of that person is furious. You know, and, and it's not your job to, like, necessarily present the mission of these for these players but if you're going to put something like that forward like you have to accept there's no perfect systems and so you know you're saying like well if some this happened and somebody did this there'd probably be somebody out there who's really mad about it and maybe they're trying to start something and then at least the players have something to sort of decide between and they can be like oh like i don't know now that i see that it's not a one-sided issue i might want to help end this or i might find it in my best interest to like take this family out and be like we're gonna get the dragon's good graces for being like you know like <clears throat> anti-rioteers you know and so but i think that's that's the key is even when you invent something that's really cool and it seems like it should be almost flawless it really can't be like it it just can't be both because you you can't have it like you need it to be flawed but also none of it like it doesn't exist 
you know, but I think it's it's very easy on paper for it to look seamless, but there's always rules can be broken and they have been broken and somebody's not happy about it. Right. Now, I will say on the other side of that coin, yes. some a problem that I have a lot is I build settings that are way too fucking grim dark. True. And like I, I I write these settings and I write these cities and these like kingdoms and stuff and everyone is miserable and everything sucks yeah. and it's all horrible yeah. and it's lead by led by evil people and blah blah, blah. Yeah. and like realistically it's too far in the other direction when I write it. <laughs> yeah, every one of your cities like, is wearing like a leather black duster. <laughs> I know. It's always raining. The tea is cold. <laughs> the tea is always yeah. cold. All the streets are muddy as shit. Yeah, I mean, unless they're it's that that kind of place is definitely rife for storytelling. But it does sort of beg the question of like, why is anybody here? It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave at that point. You already have nothing. Just go somewhere else. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I hear you. I and and I run into the issue of of sometimes I don't detail my cities enough. You know, I don't detail them and I don't sort of jump into the nuanced infrastructural things that like you're very good at, Scott. Like that that's really your your um, one of your, your main strengths. And it's something that kind of I'm very impatient with. Um, and so there but there is a happy medium and but I wanna bring it back, like at some point you have to accept that, that like these are the things that you do. And there's only so far outside your preference zone that's even going to work well for you, I think. Well, because you have to be interested. You have in to the be interested. Like, it, you have to find right. it interesting. And, like, this is one of those things, like, I think where you you always want to play with your friends and people you know. But sometimes it's like, you're not into this, but I am. You know? And, and, and I, and I think that the predict, like, there's always this issue in storytelling of predictability. But I think some people find something predictable and other people come specifically for that, you know? Um, like, it's like murder mysteries or something. It's like, I mean, they're all functionally the same. I mean, it... it the butler always does The butler it. never does it, Scott. That's the rule. The butler never does it. And it's always and twins. And it's always twins. But, but, like, you know you're going to get, like, a detective of some kind. It's, you're going to find out who the murderer is, you know? There's going to, like, it's never going to be the first person you meet, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it should sort of be boring, but it's it's in the kind of nuance of it. And so, I mean, Max, I mean, if, if your real kind of forte in your field of interest is, like, the magnan magnanimous backstabber, I think that's fine. And I think it's it's just then your job to say, who is this person that isn't the last person, you know? And, and how will they stab the party in the back? Because I think the idea of like just stabbing them in the back isn't something that is uncommon in stories and games right. and stuff. Like people do that all the time, you know? Like that's very common. So I think that people, even if they're, if they're expecting it to happen, I mean, even something as simple as like, it's not the first person you meet, it's actually like the third person you meet and all of them are very charming. And you're really like, oh, now I actually just don't know which one of these very charming people it's gonna be. Um, and that's that's intrigue right there. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I always go back and forth about this because I don't know if it is a matter of, do you change it up and do things that, do you, do you extend your comfort zone for the sake of building your toolbox, right? Or do you get very good with the toolbox that you naturally have? And I, and I think it's a bit of both, but I think it's actually kind of an under, um, sort of underappreciated skill to build the toolbox that you're very good with. Um, now I, yeah. I think that for, for me personally, I think that all too often I think that, um, with a lot of the media I, I've grown up on and, and, and kind of developed as, as a storyteller and a person who appreciates stories, um, is that very often there's like that villain off in the distance and like you're slowly making your way there and, and in, in fear of being so predictable where it's like, 
the, the long-running villain and finally our heroes yeah. storm into the you know throne room and, and it's like it's all too it's all too often I feel like it's so it's beyond formulaic it's like problem problem solvers solution yeah like the yeah. end and and you know sometimes I guess that's okay I just um it, all too often I, I feel like it's like my go-to knee-jerk like well I don't want to be straightforward and boring <laughs> so I guess I'm just going to be straightforward and boring in a yeah. different way <laughs> so. I think the bottom line with this question is the answer is Ben's favorite kind of answer. It's kind, it's kind of, of a gray, gray area. area. <laughs> it's kind of a gray area. I mean, I guess sometimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> question oh, <number> jeez. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. We, got, we got eight more. Let's do it. Uh, God. I don't know, Max. Has Matt. there anything that's happened recently just kind of giving you grief? Or have you been kind of accosted about, like, a player said this and you're like, I don't really know how to fix this problem. Well, um, I know that, so um, I'm actually, I had a very interesting experience I've told Scott about. I mentioned, I have a, f- a co-worker um, I'm friendly with, and we were discussing about like, oh, hey, you're into D&D, you DM, I DM as well, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we mentioned one of one of, uh, one of of our other co-workers kind of overheard and was like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, man, I, I never thought I'd play Dungeons and Dragons, but like, if that's something you guys are doing, I'd love to try it out. Maybe it's something that we do. And like, the three of us are talking about it, one of our other kind of like friendly co-workers within our like work clique. It was like, oh, hey, what are you guys talking about? And at first, and now it's all of a sudden like, haha, wouldn't it be funny if we got like a work group together? Right. And then it very quickly became seven oh, co-workers. Oh, jeez. The story of and... our entire play career. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's really funny because um, I'm downstairs explaining to, I'm like, look, uh, my, uh, my one co-worker, Mike, is a, is a really good guy. Uh, uh, Tony Luke's uh, uh, son, interestingly enough. Oh. Um, and uh, we're hanging out, we're talking, I don't know if I can say that on the podcast, um, we're hanging out, we're chilling. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> we we did it, so I um, guess it's fine. <laughs> there it is. Well, so we're sitting there, we're talking, and um, in, in the break room, I've got my, my books out, and we're looking at stuff like building his first character, how he wants to build it, and uh, in walks the president of my oh, company. Good. And, oh, right, and, you know, just my butthole just, you know. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. he's going to find out I'm and, a dweeb. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna knock my books out of my hands and shove me in my comically small locker. Um, so um, it's funny because he comes over. He's like, "Oh, what are you guys doing?" And it's like, uh, uh, "We're um, we're playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons." And and he's like, "Hmm, Dungeons and Dragons, huh?" And I'm like, eh, "Yeah." He's like, "In in three minutes, explain to me what Dungeons and Dragons is." You gotta give and me like, an elevator that, pitch on D and D. He, he, he requested oh one, goodness. specifically requested one. Yeah, and, like, I find it very interesting that he had the presence of mind enough to know, like, this is not going to be a three-minute conversation. You've got three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, <laughs> like, it's kind of astounding to me anybody at this point in history doesn't basically know what it is. Right, well, and the, and the thing is, it's funny, is, like, I'm now very suddenly explaining to <laughs> my millionaire <laughs> boss. Like, millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> right, my impatient millionaire, like, uh, my impatient millionaire <laughs> boss, like, uh, well, so, fantasy world, and kill dragons, uh, 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 rescue princesses, no, uh, be heroes, and, like, that's really what it came down to, and, like, I, I sometimes just like, well, it's really just the quantification of the universe yeah. for movement speed and the assumption that magic exists, and, like, I didn't want to yeah. go there, but I'm like... You can kill bad guys and 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 talk to hot chicks, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> you know. and he's like, "Okay, okay, okay. Let me know how it goes." Smile, wink, finger Whoa. snap, walk away quickly. Uh, <laughs> so now you have to write a progress report to your boss yes. about your Dungeons and Dragons this campaign. Is, yeah, so I'm gonna have a quarter year review from experience. all of my coworkers slash players. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, good. <laughs> so, um, in regards to grief, I guess grief is one thing, but um. Uh, I, I, I guess it's not really strictly grief as much as it was kind of an, an, a weird kind of transition um, where I had people who, with the exception of myself, who I, I, was as, I was a player in our group for this first session, and my other, uh, my other co-worker who was DMing us, I was the only person who had any Dungeons & Dragons mm. experience besides mm-hmm. the DM. And we've got this table of four other players at... We, we had the other two step out for, for this. I said seven is just going to be too much. Um, and it's kind of difficult to, without just droning, and like, okay, here, here's the player's yeah. handbook, read this and come back to me in a few days. So, like, what would you say do you think is the best segue when you're actually sitting down at the table 
um, the difference between reading the, the, the manual on how to drive and actually driving a car for the first time. Um, what would you say is like the best way to segue a player to their first D and D experience? Oh man, this is my this is my brand. Yeah, Scott buddy. loves new players. They're his favorite kind of players. I love loves new it. players uh, because they don't have any shitty it's habits true. that all the old heads have. Um, uh, I guess alienating probably most of our <laughs> audience with that one. But um, <laughs> y'all suck. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> uh, but like. I just, it's a real simple phrase I use. Tell me what you want to do, and I will tell you what you need to roll. And that's all mm-hmm. I say. And they're like, well, I want to hurt this guy. And I'm like, well, how do you want to do it? You know, do you want to hit him with your stick? Do you want to kick him in the nuts? Do you want to chop that chandelier and make it fall on his head? What do you want to do? And then they get, and as soon as you encourage them to, like, go bananas and you know just like really just explain this is what I want my dude to do and then you can be like alright well you need to roll an acrobatics intelligence and then attack roll go so you roll the d20 three times I'll tell you what numbers to add into it and then you walk them through it and then all of a sudden they're like okay and they go crazier and then crazier and eventually they're like too crazy. The, yeah, there are those players with shitty habits that Scott doesn't like. So his <laughs> right. method inevitably yeah, well, I, leads to players he doesn't like. <laughs> like I said, I'm not trying to solve the problem. I'm just bringing. Yeah, you're just trying to enhance to it, it. <laughs> to to, to yes. expedite the problem. <laughs> exactly, but like, here's the thing: is like those people after a while they get used to it. and They're like, oh, I want to do this. This is like a brain thing, so I'm rolling intelligence, and I'm like, yes, you are, good work. You get inspiration mm. for that. Advantage on your roll. And so you make it a, you make it a learning experience, but also, like, the big thing in DMing, especially with new players, is you just pile it all on yourself, because you know you can take it. Right. You know? Yeah. I know I can take it. Ben yeah. knows he can take it. Max, you know you can take it. When you got new players... All the rules are now your job. Every single fucking rule in that goddamn book is your job. Doesn't matter if you have other veterans at the table. Yes, sometimes they'll help. In fact, most of the time they'll help. But you might end up like with players of me at the table. I'm a rule Nazi at the table, and it's exhausting for a lot of DMs. Oh god, I love but, it. Like, I don't have to. I don't have to even read the book. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> I know Ben loves it, but like. A lot of people don't, and a lot of people are like, oh, these are house rules, and I'm like, well, those are the rules of the book, asshole. Um, now, I, I want to clarify, uh, before before we continue anything else, you should know, every single person that sat down at that table, not to stick feathers in my cap, I'm saying that simply the dynamic was really good, um, every person at that table said that they had a really good time, and that they didn't think they would like it, which I think is even better, because I think that when you go into something expecting that you're not going to enjoy it, and then you're su- you're pleasantly surprised. It's my favorite feeling in the world. Is being oh, of pleasantly course. Surprised. So, so let me. I want to. I want to so, ask you. It works so out very well. When you, the, your question. I mean, were you cons- were you curious about? Because you said like there's there's that stage when they've just kind of like read through the book and it has this very kind of like nebulous logic problem stage where you're like, okay, so there's movement speed and a bunch of numbers and like a skill tree. And then there's the stage where they're playing and they kind of know what's going on. So it was your question, too, about, like, how do you kind of explain the more, I don't know, like, the gooey bits in the middle that don't, like, how do you kind of sell them somewhere between just there's a shitload of math and you're going to have a great time? <laughs> math roleplay. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I suppose, I guess for me it's, um, like, and it's funny because if you were to say, like, if you were to have asked me the same question, like, so how did you introduce these new characters into this game? My answer is, hell if I know. Uh, we just kind of yeah. winged it. And it, and it yeah. seems like they enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, you know, d- what did I do? I don't know, but it seems like it was effective. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, oftentimes I think it's like going in with good faith and going in with the intention of just like, like you said, sort of just, just kind of pleasantness overall will... I mean, do so much because I think, I think the the sort of hesitation that comes with the game, like like your boss who was like, okay, like uh, you uh, have fun, see you later. Um, I mean, some people just don't like it. I mean, that's whatever. Um, there's the genre thing, which like people who don't necessarily think they're into fantasy, they hear that and they're immediately tipped off. 
right? They're like, I, I don't give a shit about swords or spells or drag. Like, none of this is interesting to me. Um, but I think the, the part that people do like to hear is like, oh, like, you make a character and you kind of get to do whatever you want, but you're better than you. You know what I mean? Like, you get to make this cool person that can do a million things. And uh, it's, it's, I think the part like where you get to like clown around with your friends too is a big thing because I think when people think about the game because I, I, I think a lot of people have some concept of what it is but the concept they have is very like rulers on grid paper and a lot of numbers right which doesn't really sound fun and that part really isn't the fun that's like it's funny you mention that because to that point, without fail, every person who hadn't played before when we were building characters with them, all of them said, "Do I have to oh, dress geez. up?" And I don't know where this, uh, I don't know where yeah. this concept comes in. Like it's like, look, we're not LARPing. That's only one yeah. week of the year. Um, and I, <laughs> but um, all of them were saying like, "Do I have to dress up?" And 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 it's funny because the one guy who's never played, and he said, "I've never played. It's something I've always wanted to do." He sat down and like we're doing like the basic first session introduction of characters, and like we're like, "Okay, uh, uh, you know, do you want to introduce your character?" And he's like, "What then?" And he just like drops into this like not even great accent, but he's like. Oh, I'm an urchin, you see? And he's like, and he's so into it. And, and it's, it was really great to see that, like, this is his concept. It's like, I must speak in a character voice if I'm speaking yeah. at all. And it's like, hey, there you go. <laughs> it's cool. Like, you, you can just talk. Like, your character voice can be your voice. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, but that's a cop-out. And that player was the all-star <laughs> at that table. Uh, As someone who has 632 Garbage accents. Character voices are 100% important. Let's just, let's be honest, you have six accents and you just have like hundreds of levels yeah. of tie-in for those same six accents. Yeah, Scott, I don't think each sort of decibel of volume is a different accent. Um, and, and I don't mean to mock because no, I'm no better. I, I think that you bring up a very valuable and insightful part of problem when explaining the game is there's this level of like intensity and and i don't even know like the dress up thing freaks people out and i don't i don't know anybody who does that that's not like performing on a stage you know like the pax guys do it and i think you know some other people do maybe they did on critical role i didn't really watch it but i they did right so all like the hyper public media surrounding it has people in like capes and they have maces and stuff and i think people do conflate it with larping which is all costume but there is this weird everyone has some weird little fear bugbear about the game that comes down to the persona shift it's like i don't want to do character voices that's just stupid to me like i don't want to have to wear a stupid hat i don't want to have to like use fake names you know there there's some level of like disconnect that a lot of people don't want to go through but like with that one player who was clearly fine with character voices just didn't want to have to dress up and so i think probably people are very afraid of bringing those concerns forward because especially if they're bringing them to somebody like you who likes the game who's played the game and who for all they know appreciates all of these imaginary facets of the game they would be like, I don't have to dress up and be like, uh, yeah, you do, <laughs> you know, you, you, you really, really do, do or <laughs> not at my table. And so there is this level of, if you can just kind of convince them to sit down and play a very kind of relaxed, like you can play this however you want. And everyone has to agree that like, if you want to do character voices, do them. If you don't want to, like, don't make a scene about it, you know, get as in depth with the RP as you are comfortable with because there's no reason to force people I, I think it's important to step out of your comfort zone but that doesn't seem like necessarily the place for it I mean you know play a character that you're like Ooh, that's kind of weird I don't know what to make of it you make a choice you're like oh, I don't know about that but if you don't want to wear a cape yeah, I mean like that's not the argument to have but I think people carry with them this weird somewhere somehow some tv show or podcast or youtube video gave this gave them this impression that it was it was 
I don't even know. Like, it was like going to Comic-Con. It's that one... You know? It's that one movie oh, from the yeah. What's it? What 80s is it? or early um, 90s where, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, D&D was, like, Tom safe Hanks. worship, and yeah. they all dressed Tom up. Hanks. With Tom with Hanks Tom becomes, Hanks. like, a serial yeah, killer Hanks. because of D&D or something. Because he you plays know, Dungeons and Dragons. Called? It doesn't and matter. But, yes, that, that big famous movie. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, too, to that point that I wonder, just kind of to, to add to your point... Everybody in in the group, with the exception of the DM and myself, who are in our late twenties, um, one other guy is twenty nine, and everybody mm. else is in their thirties, early early to mid thirties. And I have to wonder if like the the four people that are in their early thirties, if there's maybe like you lack that element, that thing that you start to lose in your early twenties, in your like mid twenties, and you probably start gaining more and more as you get older and older. Of just like I don't give a shit. I'm gonna try this yeah. thing and enjoy it. Like. I have to wonder if, like, you know, this guy sitting down, he's in his early, he's, like, in his early 30s, and just, like, I'm gonna be, I guess, Cockney kind of Australian. <laughs> like, who gives a shit if people think it's funny or not? That's a great I'm still accent. not sure where his accent's from. You know, Cockney Australian like, is Fantasy great, UK. I'm not fantasy sure. Fantasy UK is a real place, and it has a every bad British accent. Exactly. So, I, and I, and you know what, I, I wish that more people, I wish that I approached life with that level of, of disregard for for what people think because it's like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna you know cast spells with my 20 something year old coworker. like who gives I a I think shit? that's that's true I mean certainly as you get older a lot of people do lose their ability to just kind of let go and have fun and not really worry about like oh people are gonna think I'm a weirdo it's like well first of all everybody in, this, in the same room playing the same game there's only so weird I mean you're all doing the same thing um but right. I think I think I think you're right I mean I think people do at some point they're they're nervous about their like reputation you know they've built up like this serious adulthood thing and people i mean my girlfriend and i like board games scott you like board games max i believe you also like board games i love them. Max, right, so I like, like, like board, board games, games and and sure there i mean there are some board games that are like you know monopoly nobody really has like hang-ups about playing monopoly other than monopoly sucks I mean, like, nobody feels immature for playing Monopoly. You're like, oh, it's a game. It's been around forever. You know, you don't play... Well, you feel punished, punished, right? It's, it's yeah, yeah, it's a torture. But, you know, like, you don't play Yahtzee and you're like, I'm such a child. You know, you don't do that. But there's... there's it's, it's with board games, too. You know, anything that's not, like, these classic kind of adult board game... Boring, yeah. Yeah. shitty... Yeah, I mean, the most games. immature board game adults will play is, like, maybe they'll play Sorry, you know, a lot of times. And 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 Hell so, game. you know, D&D represents this... Somehow it's, like, the most immature thing you could do. And I don't really know exact... I mean, I understand to a certain degree why that is, because it's very much like, we're going to play make-pretend with made-up voices. Exactly, that's what it is. It's playing make-believe for adults... And people aren't comfortable with that because they've been told their whole life that immaturity equates directly to being like not a good human being and not a That's successful true. human being. Which I is trash. I agree. It's and I think people are hesitant. To, to, I think a lot of people are just hesitant to like have fun. Like a lot of adults I meet do not like the idea of frivolous fun. Like the idea of just like I'm gonna go play water balloons is like yeah I don't do that. It's like just do it. Like. You're like you've waited. You waited your whole childhood to eat ice cream all the time, and now you're like, I don't eat ice cream. It's not good for me. And it's like, you can't have it both ways. You know, just like have the fun, have the fun. But I, I, yeah. I maintain that just because something looks on the surface to be very gamey, a little immature, I, I don't believe that. I, I think like having played D and D, it's like D and D is a really complicated game that I don't think <clears throat> most most people who are like under the age of like i don't know 12 or something really even start to like get their head around i mean and adults put in incredibly complicated things and and yeah it's like it's made up but i mean so is fiction and fiction is highly prized you know i mean stories are prized in our culture but it's it's this weird thing where like oh i'm an adult i'm doing like a story about like political intrigue and murder and culture but because, like, somebody can shoot a fireball, all of a sudden it's childish. And it's like, well, no, I mean, actually, this is, like, a thing. I Based on a lot of historical readings, a lot of questions I have about where we are, you, you know, I mean, a lot can go into it, but it gets chucked out the window, and it 
it's it's almost just luck when you can find people who are going to break down and just be like, I'll give it a shot, you know, and but it's tough. I mean, I know what you're talking about. And you certainly get like your boss, people who are like, OK, man, like you have a good time with your silly little games. It's like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, you go to the casino, <laughs> like, you know, like, well, and, and, and not to and not to dissuade, not yeah, to say that he wasn't. Yeah. It's, it's funny because he was being the, the I feel like, the most encouraging he could Probably, be in that yeah. moment. <laughs> like, because it's like, hey, like, you've just spent the past three minutes explaining this thing to me. Um, I've got to go make another $300,000. Like, I, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about still, but you know what? You sound really yeah. into it. You have fun. And, like, so, like, it's funny because, like, I, I don't want to make it sound like he was dismissive because it's not. Like, he was, he was like, as into it as he could just, yeah. could be, yeah. as he could muster. Like, as into it as if he offered you tickets to a professional sports Yeah, Oh, my God, this please is the... don't. He loved me as much as my father could. You <laughs> know? That's, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, I think people see it and they think it's, like, somehow it's your lifestyle. And it's like, no, it's a downtime activity. It's no different than I play video games. It's no different than I watch sports. It's no different than, like, I ride bikes like I'm a cyclist. Like, it's no different than those things. But people... S- to be fair, he does think I leave a, lead a All very right, well, weird lifestyle. Okay. I, I, I have the uncanny ability to just insert my foot in, as deep well, into my mouth as possible uh, uh, whenever, okay. whenever he's around. For those of you who uh, are listening to our podcast, and thus it's a audio kind of situation, you are not able to notice that Max actually has a oblong foot-shaped <laughs> mouth um, from the amount yeah, of times he has done. He does. It's freakish. Hey. I think it's charming. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you are. Well, um, uh, I, I, for, just to give you a, a brief example, uh, uh, which we can cut. Uh, no, it's, it's going in. Relevant, Cutting's but, um, a pain in the ass with the software. It's hey. going in. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, when I was working at my at my company for maybe like a few weeks, um, the the president and the vice president are brothers, and they look like siblings, but they do not look identical by any stretch of the imagination. But me, being the social butterfly that I am, could not get their names straight for which one was which, both of whom are very, very wealthy and very much yeah, could sure, fire me course. very easily um, at, at their whim. And um, I, I, I saw the one, and I was like, oh my god, there he is, it's Glenn, I am, I'm going to get his name right, and everything's going to be great. And I was walking into our break room, and there were, like, three steps that go down from the warehouse into the break room. He's coming up the hallway. And I open the door, and I'm so focused, and, like, I'm saying to myself, like, my head voice was saying, (laughs) be normal, be normal. And so as I'm opening this door and I see him, I wave my hand very dramatically. Think, like, the way that maybe, like, a Broadway performer would, like, greet an audience. And And I go... Oh, hey, Glenn! And I <laughs> and I trip going down these stairs, and I eat oh so much shit. I go, I go so full scorpion. My like the my, the soles of my feet are practically touching the back of my head, and I am just oh, swam face first into no. my break room, onto my break room floor. And he and he of course is like, oh my god, are you okay? And I pop up with, like, a tooth dangling oh. by a thread out of my mouth. I'm like, ah, I'm fine. To which, to, to which he says, like, um, by the way, um, oh, I'm no. Glenn, not Glenn. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. So I, I am, uh, so, like, he just thinks that I am, like, this, like, chubby, weird <laughs> semite that he, for some reason, has continued to stay, to keep yeah, employed. Yeah, he's employing you out of pity at this point. Oh, no. I can't fire him. Yeah, it's right. It's like anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's oh, like a make a wish thing. Right? Anyway, like, I don't know. You see that that uh, that <laughs> child with that uh, glandular issue. We keep him high. So, do you have any other questions? I feel like this could go on a little while because we didn't put an, ep- an episode last week, which I apologize for. Um, anything else that's been bothering you? Anything, Scott, that's been bothering you with your games? You've been thinking about? Um, what's yeah. bothering me right now? D&D wise is that Max oh, promised 10 questions and we yeah, got like, we got two like and a 50 half, minutes of three. content out of those two questions uh exactly which means our <laughs> next five episodes are these questions Max keep talking <laughs> yeah, I thought you said you had a question for me yeah my question for me is oh, what's on. number four three. three Scott two uh, three four what 
Listen. Why do you make me pray for death? Listen, uh, math is okay. not important. This is Dungeons and Dragons. Math is half of To it. this podcast. Uh. <laughs> Listen, I was true. an English major, and I concentrate on the literary side. That's ben, true. you're also an English major, and you concentrate on yeah. literary sides of things. <laughs> so, like... I was I a public can, relations ma- major. So you concentrate so on the spoken word, thus the literary side of things. Math sucks. <laughs> it's for nerds. Moving on to Max's fourth question. Ben. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's your fourth question for Ben? Oh, um, come on. Listen, I thought you were going to be... I thought Max, you were gonna be good to Ben, go. <laughs> what is your question? I just need someone to ask you a fucking question. Um... <laughs> uh, uh, oh, um, what are your feelings on uh, Warforged being uh, reintroduced by the Mothership for uh, 5-8? I was super stoked on it. Warforged is one of my favorite races and my best character that I played yeah. for Ben's campaign um, was a Warforged yeah. rogue named Pawn, and he was the shit, character. and I miss him every day. Ben actually did an unbelievable illustration of Pawn that I have on the top of that table under that box there to keep it flat <laughs> until oh, I frame it. I see. Oh, also, um, speaking of which, there was also a, a bit of a controversy slash uh, the exact opposite of a controversy, uh, where apparently the problem is that uh, Warforged have the capability, apparently with this new updated Warforged thing, I don't know if it was a thing that was capable before, but um, where if you are proficient in a tool, you can... As a Warforged, incorporate it into your yeah, body. That yeah, was the yeah. three five Warforged. I thought <laughs> yeah, they didn't add that in the five yeah, E. So, so Scott this had is a like specific subrace. Yes, and and they're bringing that back. It's a specific subrace that allows you to do it. Where like you yeah. can't just do it as like a standard Warforged thing. You have to. It, it is a specific Warforged subrace. But um, one of the things that I found particularly interesting about this is that apparently, based on the way that they run it, is that uh, there's something about uh, vehicles can be classified as tools that oh, you can be no. in. Oh, no. So you can be Optimus so, Prime. So this is, as of right saying. now, yes, and, and so the things that you can incorporate, oh, you can God. have like, a wagon. I'm going to make one, it's and Eberron. my Warforge is going to have Heelys. <laughs> yes, and well, and yes, the, that's yes. it. He has Heelys. That's all you need. Well, and the thing is that the, the, the Warforge are coming back as part of the, uh, the Eberron expansion, and Eberron is known for its, like, very high magic, high magic and technology being very much, like, there are magical yeah. trains and, like, magical carts without horses that carry people everywhere. So, like, I don't think it's too far out of the realm of possibility that if you are proficient with the quote-unquote tool of <laughs> a magical cart, that you, you could, could incorporate Thomas into your body engine. and be, like, <laughs> yes, a Thomas the Dank Engine, just... Yes! I mean, oh, this yeah. this two, two, this seems like the know. beginning See, of a very cool Voltron sort of campaign. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, okay. Well, this was the thing, because I had a Warforged back in 3.5, Trailblazer That's Yardstick true. the Wondrous, um, and he had, like, all of his adventuring gear built mm-hmm. into his body. He had a rope that shot out of his wrist, he had swords that came out of his, like, the tops of his arms, he had lockpicks in his fingers, he had secret compartments, he had, like all this stuff built into his body. He was basically just like a He's walking Swiss army yeah. knife that liked to steal shit. It was, it was the dopest. And we go into 5e and they, they initially released the Warforged like almost a couple years ago now yeah. um, with the Unearthed Arcana. And like, it was just like, all right, you're kind of like all the other races, yeah. but you're made out of metal. And like, I still made a Warforged out of the aesthetics of it. Cause I think they're dope as shit. But I was a little bummed that I can't, like, have a bunch of random trinkets built into my body. And I guess I can now, so <laughs> I'm content as fuck. That was a great fourth question. Yeah. Thanks for that. That turned my entire yeah. podcast around. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think Halfway as there. <laughs> Scott has pointed out, we're fans of the Warforged. I, I really like them, too. I, I think they're really cool. Um, I think they're, they, they occupy a weird space in the game because they're part of that like technomancy thing that wasn't always part of it and that really changes i think the aesthetic of the entire world 
and it it's a little more like World of Warcraft in that way, and I don't know that everybody's into that. Like you see a Warforged, and to a degree, in certain ways, you're like, oh, it's kind of like a Shield Guardian or something. It's just like a big, or a Golem, or a which Golem does seem to fit more concretely in um, the game. But there's something about the Warforged being like essentially an android that it does move the game in a different direction like there's some context i have a very hard time seeing them like it seems like a really complicated really relative to a medieval style of game futuristic way to run a world and it is something i enjoy but i also accept as something that probably doesn't fit in every game and so there, there is a level of caution, I would say, I, when going into I them, because I think for me, as somebody who likes to see the world as like one thing affects all things, like it's, it's like if the car exists, even if you don't have one, you're going to know about it. You know what I mean? And and so you have a Warforged. It's like, well, there's probably a bunch. This changes the way a lot of things would operate. It, it's like, I mean, think about like, you know, robots now like they do a lot of jobs they do a lot of things that people used to do and don't so i think it changes the layout of your world unless it's like the first one you know and or unless you did what yeah I did with yeah Kong, yeah where i and i didn't know if ben's world was gonna have war fortune or not but i wanted to play one so i wrote my character's backstory allowing for the possibility of war forge yeah. to exist or to not where I was created by a wizard uh, along with, you know, like, 14 others, and we each were representing a different chess piece on the chessboard and everything, and I was one of the pawns, and we were in the Astral Sea, and we got attacked by a titan, and everyone died except for me, and I'm all <laughs> bummed about it, but I was also, like, super posy and upbeat because, like, I was going to find my family one day. Um, but the bottom line is, like, I got tossed out of the astral plane yeah. into Ben's reality. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, so a very with sort that, of, like... that, allows for... I hadn't really thought about it, but it is a very kind of, like, dimension-hopping type of thing where if you want to play Warforged, then your DM doesn't necessarily want that to be a, a routine thing. If, if you know, you say, like, hey, like, multiverse, you're like, well, one, you know, I mean, what's what's the harm in one, right? But I, 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 I think I am, and Scott, I believe you are, well, I know you are. What am I even saying? The like monstrous races and like non-human-esque races in the game. I I tend to like them more. I'm very drawn to them, in a way that I do as well. I have to really have a character concept I like to play a human. I don't think I've ever played an elf. You know, like I I prefer like if I could play a lizard man and it wasn't like kind of a pain in the ass. Like I would do it. I love the lizard. Hell yeah. Tortles uh, are great. Tortles. I love tortles. You should too. definitely play a tortle. So tortles are dope. Tortles are dope. Actually, um, to to kind of your point about the uh, the the mixture of uh, aesthetics, there was a, a module or an expansion or something. I think it was in the late eighties, early nineties. Oh yeah, Spelljammer. That one's a cool one. And yeah, yeah. it was like very much like there's a porn <laughs> crossover, right? Yeah. Uh, Scott, you gotta stop drinking on the podcast, uh, man. <laughs> You get, you get lewd. I don't know what you're talking about. I've only had a few beers. I, yeah, Spelljammer is very like um, so, D and D uh, in it, space. It, yeah, it was it was very and it was very late '80s, early '90s, like crazy over the time. And uh, it's funny because they actually brought them back in um, yep. Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, where they have um, griffs or uh, yeah, where, where yeah, I like saw them. They're hippo great people, hippo bipeds. Yeah, with like. Old school, like uh, uh, um, navy, like epaulets uh, uh, and uniforms yeah. and blunderbusses. Oh, because buses. it's rad. Because why not? Because who needs rules, <laughs> right? No, and, and that's the thing is, like, it's. I, I feel like it's almost because it so doesn't fit with it that it just like, yep, there it is. <laughs> I, I guess. I yeah. guess this this makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because it's, of how little sense yeah. it makes. No, uh, no, I, like, um, I get you. Oh, like, sorry. it's so left field that you're like, well, I guess this is just something we have to accept at face value. Even yeah. like um like Ithalids, like with mind flayers, when you have just like this very Lovecraftian thing in this in like like you said in this like medieval fantasy 
universe where you just have this like, hey, like there are these things that implant these like uh, tadpoles in your ears Bruce, to make more. That's of them. disgusting. That's how they reproduce, and they have giant brains in vats that they feed brains to. Yeah, and they suck your brains out through yep. your head with their tentacle mouths. They're rad. Um, I am a big fan of monster races. The only issue I get into is, unlike Ben, I have played quite a few humans and quite a few elves and quite a few like more standard races solely because I have that issue of being an experienced player and I like subconsciously mm. mid-max. So like, I will veer to not choosing a race if it doesn't give me a dex bonus yeah. because I only play rogues. And like, I just recently start became quite cognizant of it and started trying to like address it and be like, no, because like that's one of the things I love about new players is that they don't know that an elf is a better rogue than an orc is. So they're just be like, no, I want to pick this guy with this background and that race. And it's yeah. like these really cool combinations that I, on a personal level, would never pick because I know the rules and I know the stats. And it poisons yeah. my decisions and it's horrible. This, uh, this reminds me of the uh, uh, the heist campaign that we did with the oh, three of us. Oh, my God. Uh, God, yeah. Where I was a Goliath <laughs> uh, That was awesome. And that was <laughs> the only campaign I've ever not played a rogue, a thief, or some iteration of such was a goddamn heist. <laughs> I am so mad about that. I, uh, I don't know. Well, I feel like, again, like kind of to your point where like to, you say you subconsciously min-max, but I feel like if you can justify it and make it fun... You know, like, my character, like, okay, so sneak attack damage. So sneak attack is understood to typically be, like, you have descended from your spider, your thread of spider silk directly above your target, and you drop down and stab your blade directly into his heart. Like, okay, yeah. sneak attack damage. But, like, if you could make it where, like, I knee him yeah. in the nuts and then punch <laughs> him in the throat. Like, sneak attack Such damage. Yeah, that's the 5e sneak attack. That's the... That's the new. That's the new idea. It's not. It's not necessarily a stealth an, attack. An unexpected it's a attack. Advantage yeah, a attack. box. So like, a boxing glove. A spring boxing glove on your chest. Right. Exactly that they don't know about, and having a buddy there to distract him gives you the sneak attack because it's like, oh, they're contending with the paladin or the fighter, and so I can pull yeah, in a I cheap like shot. Yeah, I feel like this is something we I um, believe it was the last episode about. When, when you're stuck on variety, like, you want to do something, but you're not really sure, like, how to make it different, you, uh, you take the, the components of that class or whatever, and you break them down to its basic sort of elements, saying, like, what is, like, like you had said, you wanted to make yeah. Corvo, but that would mean you'd have to be able to cast the Blink spell indefinitely all the time. And you yeah. were like, well, technically disengage just means I escape combat without uh, incurring damage why doesn't that just look like blinking why doesn't that just look like kind of a puff of smoke and it's it's very much the same way I think it's it's th that inventiveness of um, of seeing the rules for their their bare pieces and then saying what what else could this be and I think even when you have a character that's unintentionally min-max. Because I think, like, there's room for characters for min-max. It's like, there are people in the world who kind of, like, knew what they were, and they were gonna go for it, and that's where they devoted their energy. But I think, you know, like like you said, Max, saying, like, my character is gonna be a, a great rogue, they're gonna be able to do everything that I want them to do to the best of their abilities, but that doesn't mean it has to look like I'm perched, and I descend, and it's a I slash the neck, but as much as it's like extremely unpredictable fist fighting, you know, or, or something like that, you know, I, I, I don't know, I just have like little like flash poppers or something, you know, things like that. Because I think all that, like, as long as the mechanical benefit is within the sort of realm of what is reasonable for the rules, it kind of doesn't matter what you do, you know. Yeah, really. No, aesthetic so, to the players, player, always. Uh, you know, keep that in mind. I, I'm always, as a GM, I'm always really appreciative when players give me animated and specific descriptions of how they do things. And because, I mean, it's the effect is going to be the same, but I think it's, as a player, it's more fun for me to describe the, the, the things that I do. And I think as a DM, it, it gives me a better sense of the character. I think it gives players a better sense of the character. 
And I don't know, it just, it, it, it gives you more room on both sides to, I, you just have more material because I, I think that when you just say like, oh, I hit it, you go like, I don't know what to do with that other than say, okay. You know, I, I think about this a lot where yeah, you, you could really give it a little flavor and, and there's a lot of room for combat to suddenly become really, I don't know, uh, kind of spectacular in a way that a lot of combats end up not being, you know? It yeah. can. Well, cause they it can, can because they can roll the reduction of the combat is oftentimes the numbers. And that's... Yeah. Yeah. It's just math. Just doing math with friends, which is fun to a point, <laughs> yeah, and then much. it's kind of boring. But I... Yeah? Oh, uh, hey, Ben. Oh, we're stopping? Hey, Ben. Oh, no. Okay. Hey, ben. Uh, what? Hey, Ben. Pete and repeat are on a boat. Pete falls off. Who's left? Uh, I'm not. No, 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 no. Get Max. Repeat. No. Pete and repeat are on a boat. He's put us Pete in an infinite loop. Oh, my. Pete and repeat are on a boat. Pete falls off. Who's left? Repeat. Pete and repeat are on a boat. Pete falls off. Who's left? <laughs> so, anyway, thanks for having me on. Yeah, oh, Max. yeah, Max, it's been a pleasure having you. Anytime. Thanks for Three's coming fun. on to our podcast. I mean, three, three is a crowd, so don't do it all the time, but sometimes. Yeah, three is fun. <laughs> um, thanks. Oh, and oh, I guess yeah. we should promote ourselves. Um, if you have any more questions and you want to talk to us <laughs> and stuff, Ben uh, is in charge of our Twitter because I am too um, yeah. irresponsible to actually use it. You can tweet at us at Dungeon underscore yeah, casters on uh, Twitter. We're also on Gmail at Dungeons Casters. Dungeon Casters Podcast at gmail.com and on iTunes. Uh, look us up, Dungeon Space Casters, uh, under the podcast tab. Yes, Max? If you don't mind, hey, why not? If you don't mind if I plug something <laughs> real quick, um, I'm. Uh, thank you. I, I'm actually also on, on another podcast uh, called Live Quest, uh, where it's a group of people in front of a live audience, and the audience. We do like a, a quick RPG, uh, and the audience can interact by throwing coins to change things about the world, and the characters are outrageous, and it's usually very inappropriate. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. It seems like it's something that'd be your deal. Uh, yeah, Scott and I were on it once, and inevitably, somewhere. accidentally, uh, it all turned into, like, one giant wiener joke. <laughs> it was yeah. a lot of wiener jokes, and, um, you know what? I was a little upset at first, but at the end of the day, like, penises are kind yeah. of funny. Actually, they're really <laughs> funny, so I'm not mad about all it. All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll see you next week, I think. No. Ben, so no, keep on a boat. Doing. I'm gonna kill the other guy because this joke. No, I don't want to do this joke anymore. It wasn't funny, but it's true. It hurts. In this podcast, we used Achilles and News Sting by Kevin McLeod of Acompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons.